Welcome to Psych Talk. I am your host, Jessica Lee, a licensed clinical psychologist and self-growth coach for women in helping professions. It is my mission to motivate, inspire, and educate you on everything psychology and self-growth. Whether you are a mental health professional or student in the social science field, are interested in psychology and mindset shifts, or are just interested in gaining skills and knowledge to grow into the best version of yourself, this podcast is for you. My hope is to provide you with knowledge and skills that you can implement in your daily life that add up to make a big impact. So let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Psych Talk. I'm so excited that you are joining me for today's episode. Today I have a special guest, Natalie Ripple. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. I'm really excited. (laughs) Thank you for being here. So do you mind introducing yourself a little bit about your background and what you do? Yeah, um, so Jessica and I both actually graduated from Furman, which is cool and part of how I found her here in Greenville. but I graduated with Furman, from Furman with a degree in biology and a minor in basically public health. Um, I fully intended on going to either physical therapy, maybe athletic training, something more in the like medical rehab area. Um, but as most do, don't, I did not have my life together <laughs> at graduation. Um, and so I was in the gym one day and I walked up to a random person and I said, are you a personal trainer? And she said, yes. And I said, how did you become a personal trainer? And she said, well, I don't know. I signed up and took a test. And I was like, what? It's that easy? Um, Because I was never really an athlete um, growing up. So it was never something I really pictured was an option for me. But I was like, that doesn't seem hard. And it's similar in the client interactions to physical therapy and stuff. So I did some more research and I ended up getting my certified personal trainer um, certification through the American College of Sports Medicine right at graduation. Um, and then I started working for the Y part-time in personal training shortly after. Um, got into group exercise as well too. Um, wellness coaching, all kinds of stuff. Um, I have my exercise medicine certification as well for dealing with um, and helping populations with chronic disease. Um, and then now I am a full-time wellness specialist in uh, Simpsonville, South Carolina at the Y there at the Personal Health Family YMCA. So it's been an interesting path to get here and it's happened actually pretty quickly, <laughs> believe it or not. I kind of took a hard left after all of my schooling. People from high school are like, wait, you do what? Because I was just like the bookish nerdy kid that didn't talk to anybody. And now I like post lifting videos on my Instagram. So <laughs> no, that that's awesome. Yeah. And um so we were talking before we hit record that I graduated from Furman in 2011 and hearing you say like you majored in biology and minored, they didn't even have minors when I was there, <laughs> which made me feel like super old, even though it's only seven years difference, but like we didn't have minors and public health wasn't a thing there. Well, I don't the, They do the interdisciplinary minors. So technically my diploma says medicine, health, and culture, uh, which is a fancy way of saying public health is pretty much my understanding of it. Yeah, no, but yeah, no. So I'm, I'm glad we um, connected and followed, followed each other. And it is very interesting, like, you know, social media and how you said you post lifting videos and stuff. And I feel like a lot of us, like I'm very introverted, but if you're looking at my social media, you probably wouldn't think so, but you can just, you know, 
have not a whole different persona, but it's something different on social yeah. media. And it usually shocks people that, like you said, knew you in high school. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Literally like the most popular girl from my high school reached out to me a few weeks ago and was like, when did you become such a badass? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> Um, so you shared a little bit about like how you got into fitness, um, but can you just share a little bit about your story, how you got into fitness and then as well as how you became passionate about mental health? Cause obviously we're going to be talking today about the intersection between physical and mental health. Yeah. So, um, starting with physical health, I guess I like played sports growing up. Cause I feel like a lot of times when people go into strength conditioning or personal training, it's like they were an athlete their whole lives. I was not an athlete my whole life. I was always picked last for PE. I was like a bencher in softball, um, in high school, definitely didn't play at Furman. Um, and, but I was in practices and played sports enough that I didn't really have to worry about like working out or, um, my body or anything like that. Um, and then, so it was probably my senior year of high school when I first started having experiences with like body image problems. And um, I realized those listening can't see me, um, but I am six feet tall and 200 pounds. Um, so I'm not a small lady. Um, <laughs> I, I take up a lot of space. Um, I was always a head taller than all of the guys in middle school and high school. Um, and eventually that started to, with like societal standards of what, women should look like and um how loud they should be and how big they should be started to wear me down like it does on everybody um and it was my senior year that I stopped playing softball and started working out um and I started working out like everybody does on the elliptical for miles and miles and miles um <laughs> and then it was in college we had to take I don't know if you had to take wellness concepts at first, yeah, I mean, we had to take like one HES course, health and exercise science. I don't know if they even, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, we had to take one of those. I don't know if that's the same thing. I, it's probably the same, but at Furman, they require all of us to take this wellness concepts class that I just called like college PE. Um, and had the best professor ever. Um, and they would take us, she took us through like different types of exercise. We did a spin class. We did a yoga class. We did all this stuff. And then we did a weightlifting class and I was stronger than everybody without ever having done it just because of my size and not by significant margin, but I had a sort of natural advantage to it. Um, and that just like lit a spark in me somewhere that I was like, Oh, I could actually be pretty strong, believe it or not, <laughs> which was never something I had thought about myself. Um, and so then I started spending more time on weights than I did on the elliptical. Um, and my mindset completely shifted from, trying to shrink to trying to get stronger. So like I said, I'm, I realized that I'm never going to be a small air quote, small person. Um, and so I was like, why not just focus on getting strong? And it gave me a different mindset when I went into the gym, it wasn't like burn as many calories as possible. Um, blah, blah, blah. It gave me new goals. Um, I stopped weighing myself. Um, I started, like following women on Instagram who were lifting weights. And I was like, oh, people can do this. Like girls can do this. Um, and it totally changed like my confidence um, and my outlook on everything. Um, and I realized that that was something that like I wanted to share and like could be really good at actually. <laughs> Not necessarily the weightlifting part, which 
I am good at only because I've worked at it for a long time. Um, but the helping women find confidence with strength training, um, which we'll get more into later. Um, so then I started becoming a personal trainer, was around people who were really insane athletes um, and was able to learn a lot from them about um, weightlifting and strength and conditioning and all these things. And as we know, like being in an environment with people who are like, it normalizes the habits that you want to create. Um, and so it became easier for me. I was working out with friends. I was working out with trainers who were, had been doing it for way longer than me. I learned so fast um, all these different things and being under a barbell and being able to lift a barbell has been like the biggest thing for my confidence. There's nothing in the world that makes me feel more capable than doing some sort of barbell lift. Um, and that is sort of like where I'm at right now. So that is a long windy fitness journey, which I think um, anyone who works out or is an athlete or is really into fitness can vouch that like there are phases as you go through it um, and you can't skip to the end. <laughs> you have to do it, you know, um, the way that you're supposed to do it. Um, and that's kind of how I got into fitness. Um, but then sort of the second layer of depth to all of that is like my mental health while all of that was going on. Um, because obviously I was having some, like I said, some body image issues in high school, um, got to college, gained a bunch of weight because I was partying for the first time and independent for the first time in my life. Um, and with that came like not sleeping and more unhealthy habits. Um, and I come from a family with a nice long history of mental illness, um, whether bipolar disorder or depression, anxiety, um, PTSD, um, lots of that going on. So it was never a foreign concept to me. Um, and then my sophomore year of high school, um, our, one of our very close family friends took his own life. And that was when I really fully experienced um, like the depths of depression and mental health and anxiety for the first time. Um, I was put on medication by the psychiatrist at Furman um, and really did not work out at all during that time. Um, and that's a lot of what I think we're here to talk about. Um, and then kind of got back on it and my mental health has been obviously up and down since then life happens and um, things happen and um, but it really has emphasized to me the importance of mental health and physical health and how it's not as simple um, as just like exercise will make you feel better um, because yes but also no <laughs> um, and I've been the depressed person that people are like well, you stopped going to the gym. Why did you stop going to the gym? Like that makes you feel better. And you're like, that doesn't feel good. And it's not very nice or helpful. Um, and so I think it's just the, the family history of mental illness and the personal experiences with it and being in fitness and how it's such like a delicate and nuanced, like give and take between those two things. Um, that I think a lot of people, if they don't experience it, can't like fully comprehend or grasp. So. 
And yeah, we're definitely going to be getting into all that. But thank you so much for sharing your story. I was like taking notes as you were writing. So first of all, I mean, I've followed you on Instagram for a while, but we've never met in person. And I always knew you were tall, but I did not know you were six foot tall. Um, (laughs) And I think that's, I mean, not directly related to what you were talking about, but it's very interesting too, because when we only see people on Instagram and we don't like have a point of reference. Like a lot of people think I'm taller than I am. I'm only five, four. I say I'm five, five, but I'm five, four and a half. Uh, (laughs) And so like, it's, it's always interesting to, you know, see that. But one thing that you were saying with that, like you're, you're very tall and you started working out and it was like the elliptical. And I think society tells us as females, we need to just do cardio because if you lift, you get bulky. And I, that was something as a more small petite person that always scared me before I started lifting weights. Cause I was like, I'm already, I'm not short, but like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm small. <laughs> so I was like, if I start lifting weights, I'm just going to like go outwards and be like, <laughs> expand horizontal stocky, which is not the case at all. I much prefer weightlifting over. Right. And I, I mean, I gained muscle, but it's not like I have these giant muscles because my, that's not my body type. Um, so I wanted to thank you for pointing that out. Cause I think too, I mean, and I don't know what your experience was in particular, especially kind of with the body image stuff is when we see fitness pe- fit, I'm putting this in quotes, fitness people like, Oh, let's do cardio. Let's do this. You know, even if they're taller, they're all really like slender, not really muscular. Like there's this certain image and it makes you feel like if you don't fit in that image, like, oh, am I really healthy? Am I really whatever the questions that you have? I have like a few general responses to when they're like, I don't want to get bulky, which I hear all, I, I don't mean to be dismissive of that because I realize it's a thing. Um, I think that I skipped that step just because I'm already huge as a human. And so it was like, "Mm, she's bulky. It's fine. Um, But one is it's really hard to get bulky. Some people (laughs) like genetically do put on muscle a lot faster, especially if you're already short or already um, a really low like body fat percentage. But if it was easy to get bulky, I would be huge. So secondly, I think it's awesome. I think muscles are awesome. Like I want to be, I want to like walk down the street and have people be like, Oh, she's got man arms. Like, I love that. (laughs) Um, I saw something the other, like just this stupid quote that was like, I used to work out to be skinny, but now I work out so that a man in an alley could know I would snap his neck in two seconds if I needed to, or something like that. Um, so I think that we, you're right that like fitness, especially like mainstreamed fitness puts out this image of like the lean muscle which is also dumb and not dumb but all muscle is lean um if you want to know more about my sass on all of these things you can look at my instagram i won't go into all of them um but it is it is interesting and i think like i said i was able to sidestep that because i'm already pretty big and so it was like well she's just gonna be big so let's just see how strong (laughs) we can get yeah no and i i love that you pointed out that you're your minds when the mindset shift and we might get into this more was focused on strength. Cause I also, I mean, granted 
And I know we follow some similar fitness people on um, Instagram and we tend to follow people like you said that do do weightlifting and strength, but unless you seek those people out, that's not what is promoted for women in mainstream fitness, or they might be like, Oh yeah, get strong. But then it's a side comment and, and gets toned and slender and skinny and all these things. So I think um, that mindset shift was probably huge for you. And I know it was for me because I had a similar one because there's only so many before and after pictures that you can take, which, I mean, we don't even have to get into that, but like, if you focus on things like, Oh, I lifted heavier, that's progress right there. Right. And And so much more confidence comes from that than comes from, I lost five pounds. Just, we can talk, we'll talk more about that. But like, being capable of skills and capable of um, things that you couldn't do before is so much more important and so much better for you mentally than I take up less space. I have less mass than I did before. Well, and just kind of how you, nobody can see us, but you just did like a hand gesture kind of like moving forward and gaining skills. There's always room to grow with that. But at some point you can't get any skinnier take up less space without being unhealthy but like you can I mean and at some point like I don't think just with my build I will ever be able to like deadlift 300 pounds but like you know there's always room for growth when you're focusing things on like strength and skills like okay yeah well I did more reps this time or I added a pound which pound is a pound or whatever so um So we kind of got off, but to go back to one of the last things you were saying, and um, can you just talk a little bit about from as a certified personal trainer, but also your own experience, the intersection between mental health and fitness and exercise? Because I know you briefly touched on it, but we said we were going to get into it more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think there's a vast majority of people that you talk to who, um, like if you take your local gym rat, the person that's at the gym all the time, every day, blah, blah, blah. Um, a phrase that gets thrown a lot around a lot is like, it keeps me sane or, or gym is cheaper. The gym is cheaper than therapy. Um, or just those kinds of things, um, that, oh, I used to be really depressed and, like the gym helped me or, or exercise helped me. Um, and I think those are really important stories and really important narratives. And it's part of like my story is that I found like a whole new strength and a whole new confidence, um, by learning how to weightlift and by learning how to train the right way. Um, and we know in psychology, and this is where you can fill in the details, um, (laughs) that, like exercise helps our brains. (laughs) Like it helps you sleep better. It helps your happy hormones work the right way. Like it helps all of these things. Sometimes I call it like, we're just going to take the serotonins for a walk or like just see if we can't jog them up a little bit. Um, And I don't know if you want to jump in and like clarify more on what that looks like. No, no. And you're exactly right. So one thing, um, I always say, so we know from research that exercise, and 
usually when I'm talking to like clients I work with, I just say like movement because some people hate exercise and we might get into this at some point, but like some people hate exercise. So if I tell them to go exercise, it's going to actually make them miserable and their depression. If you actually have depression or actually have like diagnosable anxiety worse because you're doing something that makes you feel miserable. Um, but we do know it is beneficial because yeah, it, um, releases endorphins, you know, and every time I say the word endorphins, I think of that line from Legally Blonde, like exercise gives you endorphins, endorphins make you happy. Um, but it helps with sleep and usually not all the time, but if you're, um, exercising and kind of overall focus on your health, you're also eating better. And we know that food is not medicine, but eating a balanced, healthy diet is one, you feel better physically. So then you're going to feel better emotionally, but neither is a cure for like any mental illness. Like if you're the way I think about it, if you know, you're feeling a little stressed or sad or anxious, but it's not like a clinical diagnosis, doing things like healthy habits is probably going to make you feel better. And that might be all you need. But if you have like diagnosed major depressive disorder, diagnosed social anxiety, whatever it is, doing those things alone may make you feel less depressed or less anxious, but it's not going to cure or solve what's really going on. So. Yeah, exactly. And I've, I've witnessed um, a couple of genres of kind of what you're talking about. Um, and honestly, one of the least compassionate things you can say to somebody who's depressed and can't get out of bed in the morning is, dude, you should just go to the gym. Like, if you don't understand, like, one, if you did understand that and that feeling, you wouldn't say that. But two, like, I can't, like, if I can't get out of bed to brush my teeth in the morning, what makes you think I'm going to lace up tennis shoes and go squat? (laughs) And like, I love squatting. It is one of the things that makes me happy. And I still have days where like, it's a miracle if I get up and brush my hair. Like that's, it's just a thing. So that's one issue that I have. But then on the other side, I think a lot of people lean on exercise um, as a distraction tool um, or just like they use it to bully themselves or blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, I said to somebody the other day, like, there's people that we see, because I'm at the Y all day. I'm at the gym all day. So I know if you come two or three times, I know how many days a week everybody comes. Um, and there's sort of a point where it's, you're taking care of your body, you're being healthy. There's like a range. And so on the one end, you have, you taking care of your body, you're being healthy. Um, you're training for something. You're, you're really pushing your body to its limits. And then there's a tipping point where you're dealing with something or you're trying to ignore something that isn't, that's the gym's not going to fix. Um, and you know, I, I know that I've done it (laughs) and I can always tell when one of my signs that I'm not in a good mental place is I start working out more, not better, but just more, just like busy, dumb, busy work so that I don't have to think about whatever it is that's bothering me. Um, and so the idea that like the gym is therapy or the gym is my therapy or the gym is cheaper than therapy is like actually pretty problematic. And I mean, on this scale of 
methods to avoid talking about something difficult, drugs, alcohol, you know, shopping, all of these different like things that can become addictions. It's hard to say that the gym is the worst one because it's can be not so harmful because it is like healthy, but as we know, like obsessive healthy behavior is also not healthy. <laughs> um, and so it becomes really difficult and that's like a weird stigmatized thing to talk about like, hey man, I think you're working out too much. Like, are you okay? Do you have something going on? When society continually says, dude, he does two a days. Like he is so cool. And it gets, it gets glorified and it gets amplified. And then you think, oh, I'm doing the right thing. Like I'm working out more, I'm losing weight, blah, blah, blah. When really on the inside, you're like totally falling apart. Um, and so there are times when I have to tell myself, no, we're not going to the gym today because that's not what's going to make you feel better right now. Even if it's like the easiest, most accessible thing, um, it doesn't always help. And a lot of times it's a distraction or a suppression tool. Like, oh, if I just go lift something really heavy, my brain won't think about the fact that blah, 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 whatever it is. Um, so I think that that I don't remember exactly where I started. Sometimes I get a little rambly. <laughs> no, it, it, no I, I'm having so many great thoughts. So keep rambling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there's a line like there is in everything. Like, like we talk about it in nutrition. It's like everything in moderation, like not too much. And then, of course, when you get into elite athletes, that's like a whole other thing. But we won't talk about it. That's not who's probably listening to this podcast. Um, but it's there's definitely a line. Um, and it's a line that gets abused a lot. And there are ways to abuse the gym when you're struggling with mental health. Um, and I think that that doesn't get talked about as much as like, dude, you're feeling sad? Just like go on a run. That's what helps me. Yeah, no. So I'm so glad you brought up the point. Like if I'm so depressed that I can't get out of bed to brush my teeth, what makes you think I'm going to go to the gym? Because that is something like, you know, in – psychology and therapy, there's something called behavioral activation, which is basically a behavioral technique where you set goals that you're going to do that week that are supposed to make you feel good and be innately rewarding. But if you're not even brushing your teeth, brushing your hair, showering, you need to start there. You can't be like, I'm, you know, I don't have the energy to bathe but yeah, I'm going to go to the gym for an hour. A day. Like that just doesn't make sense, both for people to suggest it, but also for that to be a expectation. Um, so I love that you brought that up, but I also really like, like kind of that fine line. And I know we're going to talk about, you know, how fitness is good and how fitness is bad for mental health. But, um, and you said you've done it. I've done it like the summer between my freshman and sophomore year at Furman was the only summer I went home before I stayed down here. And that summer I would go to the gym like two hours a day because just going back to Massachusetts, I went far away for college. All my friends were still in new England and saw each other together. So I felt like an outcast. So I would go to the gym. I had a full-time nannying job. I would go to the gym two hours a day after that, which was just kind of, I convinced myself like, Oh, this is healthy exercise. Like, I don't need to be working out <laughs> for two hours a day on the elliptical. I literally was on the elliptical going back to what you were saying. Um, and that carried over into my sophomore year at Furman too. I was like, I have to set out two hours a day, but really I was just avoiding my feelings and what was um, 
really going on. And I know we've been more talking about like depression, anxiety, but you see this with like eating disorders a lot too, with people that are quote unquote recovered, but then jump into the obsession of exercise and quote unquote healthy eating, which is, I mean, orthorexia is not technically in the DSM, but um, personally, I'm seeing that more coming into the hospital where I work, where it's people that have taken exercise and healthy eating too far. But since it's a like socially acceptable thing, like you said, like, oh, we're praising like the two a days. Oh, it's socially acceptable to spend hours in the gym and only eat lettuce and grilled chicken. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> And that's what society puts out there. So then it's like, oh, this, this is socially acceptable, but is it really? No, there has to be that fine line. So those were all my thoughts in your rambling. So <laughs> I think that especially that kind of, there's like an element of admiration, right? Like when I was, to be honest, this happened very recently. At the beginning of coronavirus, I started running because I went home, similar to your story, um, because we got furloughed and I needed to get out of my dad's house. I love my dad. I needed to get out of my dad's house. I had like a hip injury, had all these reasons that I should not have been running. I was running and lifting weights every single day. And people were like, how do you do it? Like, you're so amazing. Like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm dying on the inside. Like, I, but when you get that constant positive reinforcement, it just, you can trick your own brain into being like, oh, this is a good thing. This is like what I should be doing. And I'm doing great. Like I'm awesome right now. And then you're going to hit a tipping point and then it's just downhill from there. But it's, there's a lot of similarities between what we got going on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I guess, cause we've been kind of focusing on like, oh, the, I don't want to say the downsides, but you know, I guess first, what are the aspects of fitness and exercise that you do think are beneficial for mental health based on your experiences, but also obviously being a personal trainer and seeing a lot of different people. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, I think, well, I, I know, <laughs> I know that exercise, especially strength training helps or, or I would also caveat any kind of like athletic performance sport. So not necessarily just running to run and burn calories, but like running races or running Spartans or, or competing, even if it's recreationally. And that's a realization I have actually come to recently. Cause I used to be very anti-cardio, very anti running or cardiovascular sports. But I think anything that's like a very goal oriented fitness path um, brings so much confidence and so much like self-efficacy. Um, which then trickles into every aspect of your life. So when you're faced with a tough challenge, a, a tough physical challenge, um, or you set a tough physical goal and then you accomplish it, it's like, oh, I can do hard things. And like, life is hard and the world is hard. And so it reinforces, like, just because something is hard doesn't mean I can't do it. So I think that that brings a lot of confidence um, especially for women, but for men as well. Um, and feeling successful is really important too. So I think that like, and I alluded to this earlier, but like fitness, especially if you're starting from ground zero has phases. 
um, and I do this a lot with like training clients, um, is like the first phase is just, like you said, movement, like movement that you enjoy, movement that's going to make you feel good, give you the positive benefits, the better sleep, the better mood, the more energy, that kind of stuff, just moving and moving in a way that you enjoy. So I recommend people go to Zumba class all the time because it's so much friggin' fun and I love it. Is Zumba going to help me reach my personal fitness and weightlifting goals? No, no. But there were weeks when like that was the only activity that I got in and it made me feel really good. And like, that's important. Then you got to transition out of the nice, happy baby. Everything's wonderful into the trying something that's hard and that scares you because that's where like inner stuff really starts to develop. I think um, you got to get past. Oh, I'm not good at that. Or, oh, I don't like that. Because a lot of times I don't like that means I don't think I can do that. Um, I used to say, oh, I hate lunges. <laughs> no, I just was bad at lunges and they were hard. <laughs> and now I love lunges and I prove myself that I'm good at them. Or I hate running. Well, it was just because I wasn't good at running because I had never done it, you know? Um, so I think a lot of times when we say, like I said, when we say, oh, I don't like that or I'm not good at that, it's just they were afraid of it or we're afraid to be bad at it at first. And so then comes all of these life lessons, right? Of like, maybe I'm not bad at it. Maybe I've just never tried, or maybe I am bad at it, but if I keep working at it, I can get better because we're not going to be good at everything the first time, Natalie. <laughs> um, that's been a huge, a huge one for me. Um, and the, like I said earlier, like the, I can do hard things. Like just because it's scary doesn't mean it's not possible just because it's not something that I thought I could do. Doesn't mean it isn't something that I can do just because I can't do it today. doesn't mean if I keep working at it, I can't do it a month from now. Um, and if you don't do this phase, the, the first phase, the feeling successful phase, which is also where habits get implemented. But, um, the second phase is going to be really frustrating and really demoralizing. And so if you're not mentally in a place to do that, it's, not a good idea. And that's what I mean. Like, I think people try to skip straight to the really tough, challenging things. And then they just feel unprepared because they are unprepared. And then you're just still sad. Um, but I think that the confidence that comes from both of those phases, the first phase is the, the psychology stuff that we talk about, the better sleep, the improved mood, the improved energy. But that second phase, that's the stuff that helps you in your life and that helps you with with your overall confidence um and I think that that to me is the phase I want everybody to get to um and one of the biggest so those things that I mentioned were some of the biggest obviously positives of exercise and of exercise with mental health as well I absolutely love what you said about like I don't like that it actually means that you're probably just like scared of being bad at it or you are bad at it. Um, I totally felt called out because I always say I don't like yoga, but I know I don't like yoga because it's hard for me. Like <laughs> I, I was a gymnast growing up, so I used to be super flexible. And then now I'm, I mean, I'm probably more flexible than the average person, but I'm not like super flexible. And so yoga for me, because it does require a lot of, you know, mobility and flexibility. It also requires me to slow down, which I don't like. So I always say I don't like it, but I actually 
when I do it, I feel good. It's just hard. So I don't do it. So like that just like hit me when you said, and I wrote it down as a quote, because I think if, I mean, there's going to be so many things people take out of this episode, but I know that just like hit me like, okay, wait, do I actually not like it? Or like you said, have I even tried it? (laughs) Is this just something I think I'm going to be bad at? So I just say, I don't like it. Um, so I thought that was like super insightful. And I mean, there are so many benefits of, um, exercise and mental health, like, you know, everything you already touched on, but as we're also talking about, there are times that it can be, I don't want to use the word detrimental. That seems a bit drastic, but like harmful. Um, so can we transition to kind of talking about, how you have seen or believe that fitness and exercise can be harmful um, to the and to your mental health and why? Yeah, um, I think a lot of what we talked about before, but also that health is so like so multifaceted and like I know talking to you as a health professional, like, you know, this, this is what you do all the time. Like as a therapist, you're probably like, okay, here's all these different aspects of your life. How do we make them work together so that you feel better? But I think generally speaking, and because of the media and because it's now an industry, um, health gets dumbed down into this gym, vegetables, protein. (laughs) Um, And that's how you're healthy is if you go to the gym and you eat vegetables and you drink your $100 whey protein, like, oh, oh, it makes me want to cry. Because you can do all of those things perfectly and still feel like crap. Um, And you cannot do any of those things or do those things imperfectly and be living your best life. Um, And so I think sometimes we use physical health as like a scapegoat or a distraction um, and also as something that we think will make us happy. We set these goals like, okay, when I, and I'll do it to myself, when I can deadlift 300 pounds, I'll be happy. Like I'll be good. But what I really think I mean is when I can deadlift 300 pounds, my Instagram will grow. My blog will grow. People will take me seriously as a trainer. I'll probably have abs by then. And I'll like get the job that I want in strength and conditioning because I deadlifted 300 pounds, which is not true. (laughs) Like as soon as you say it out loud, it's like silly, but it happens a lot with weight loss too. It's like when I lose 10 pounds or when I have that body, like then I'll be happy. And then I can go after the job that I want. Then I can pursue a relationship. Then I can do all of these things. And it just puts life on hold and it puts what your actual goals are on hold. Um, I, I'm like the annoying person with clients that is always asking, okay, but why? Okay, but why? Okay, but why? Because they come in and they're like, I want to start working out. And I'm like, okay, great. Why is that? Which to most people would seem like a dumb question because working out is good for you. Okay, why do you want to start working? Well, I want to lose five or 10 pounds. Okay, but why? well, I just want to be healthier. Okay, but why? <laughs> and then you keep going and you keep going and you keep going. And eventually you get to something like, well, my daughter's pregnant and I want to be around for my grandkids. And that's what's going to make that person happy. 
not the losing the five or the 10 pounds. And while that's like a way to get there, I think we use fitness and especially fitness in like a body manipulation type of way, whether it's putting on muscle or losing fat or whatever, as what we think is the path that'll make us happy. Oh, I won't be depressed when I have abs. Oh, I won't feel lonely when I lose this amount of weight because then I'll be desirable to a partner or a significant other. Um, and so I think that a lot of times it's just a mask for certain issues. And I think it can be, a, it can be a tool. Um, and we overemphasize because there are so many different tools. It's one tool. We have one tool. Nutrition is one tool. Sleep is one tool. Um, mindfulness is one tool. Goal setting is one tool. Relationships are one tool, but we overemphasize this like health umbrella tool as what will make us happy. Um, and I really hate to break it to everyone listening to this podcast, but it probably won't. No, I, so it was so funny when you were like saying, well, then I questioned like, but why, but why? Cause I was writing down because this is something I talk about. I mean, in my personal life, but also professionally is like when people are like, well, if X happens, then I'll be happy. And so I don't necessarily phrase it like, but why? But I said, well, what's the evidence for that? And like, sometimes they'll come up like, okay, if, you know, if I lose 10 pounds and I'll be happy. Okay. Well, when I was 10 pounds lighter, I was happier. Okay. Well, were you happier because you were 10 pounds lighter or what else was going on in your life? Oh, well, at that time I was in like a really good relationship. I was going out with friends. I was doing all these things. Okay. So was it really the 10 pounds or was it everything else going around? Or like you said, you know, what is the actual why? Because, you know, it's usually not, even if it's like I, people originally said like, oh, I want to lose weight because I want to look good. Do you, are you really seeking you want to look good or do you want to feel confident? Do you want to feel capable, which is a totally different thing, which I know we're going to get into literally like next, but um, then looking a certain way. And if you stop chasing like those extra or do the inner work. And I'm so glad that you asked your clients like, but why, but why, but why? Because a lot of times we're like, oh, well, this is what society tells us. Like society says, like, if I lose 10 pounds and eat kale, I'm going to be happy, but like, that's what we see on TV and Instagram is all these yeah. like super lean people eating kale and being happy. And it's like, and it's like, but why do you want, and there's a quote and I, I probably have said it on this podcast. If I haven't, I'm saying it now, but you can't hate yourself into healthy. You also can't hate yourself into happy. Like if your only goal is to become quote unquote healthy because you think it's going to make you happy or because you feel miserable the way you are right now. Like one, you're probably going to fail at it because you're only doing it for the wrong reasons. But if your motivation is like, you know, oh, I want to be able to run around with my grandkids or, you know, I, or, or my kids or whatever it is, or, you know, I am borderline diabetic and I really don't want to um, have to go on insulin. So like, this is my motivation to do X, Y, or Z. If it's not just like, I want to look good in a bathing suit, whatever quote unquote good means to you. Cause then that's a whole nother mm -hmm. <laughs> conversation. But, um, 
Yeah. So I, I was loving that you said you asked like, but why, but why? Um, cause that's something I do too. Like, cause I'll have a lot of clients come in that do want to work on like body. I'm work with teens. So especially yeah. female clients, body image stuff. And I'm like, but why? Like, or what's the evidence that you'll be happy or what are you actually seeking? And as a psychologist, obviously I do a lot of the mental work, but also things like, okay, well, you're also not sleeping. You're going to bed at 3 a.m. and waking up at nine. So let's focus on your sleep. Well, that's not what I want to work on. Well, trust me, you're going to feel a lot better <laughs> if you get some adequate sleep. <laughs> right. And then you're going to have more energy. So then you can actually go do these things. So, um, so let's transition into confidence because I know that's something that you've mentioned a lot. It's something before we even started recording today when we first talked about doing this podcast you said you know that's one of your areas of specialty confidence especially for women um we know mental health and confidence go hand in hand despite society telling us that you're just going to be confident by having sick pack um so can you just touch on the intersection between confidence physical health mental health and how you help your clients work on that confidence yeah absolutely um it's funny because my mom growing up always said like you've always known who you are Natalie you've always known who you are and you've always been confident and I think really what it was is I was really good at doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing (laughs) and being who I thought I was supposed to be um and so it's interesting that like I think most people in my life would see me as somebody that's always been confident um but I've it's, it's obviously ebbed and flowed and, and everyone, everyone's does. Even the most confident person you can find has days where they're like, I can't do this. <laughs> um, but I think much of my confidence in my career, in my relationships, in um, friendships, in, you know, school, like to pursue a master's, like all of these different things um, has stemmed from proving to myself that like, I'm capable of so much more than I ever thought. And a lot of that has come from the gym. Um, I have, and then on the client side, I have clients say to me a lot, like, you have more confidence in me than I do. And I think having that relationship can be so like life-giving for people. Um, you know, whether it's my sister or my mom or whoever, like having, having a relationship with someone who sees like what you're actually capable of can sometimes be really important because we can be pretty self-limiting. And so sometimes I, I, this sounds bad, but like one of my big tactics is like tricking my clients into doing something that they're afraid of. And then being like, Hey, by the way, you did that. (laughs) And that it helps because I think sometimes we just need somebody else to prove to us that we can do something. I think sometimes life does that to us. Life is like, here's the thing you thought you could never deal with, but now you have to. Um, and the more that you can prove to yourself that you're capable of things that you didn't think were possible or that you didn't think you would have ever be able to do, um, the more confidence you'll have in everything else. Um, but at the same time, like hitting those goals that you have, whether it's my 300 pound deadlift, um, or, or my 135 bench by the end of the year takes work and takes preparation. And you're not just going to walk in one day and do it, um, randomly without working for it. Um, and that's been a big thing for me is that I always 
thought that in order to be confident, I had to be good at something the very first time. Um, and that's actually not even a little bit true because I'm really good at a lot of these things that I was awful at. And one of these days I'm going to get into posting some of my original like lifting and workout videos when I'm feeling like I need to humble myself a little bit, but I haven't. <laughs> I, I looked through some of them last night actually. Um, but I just think that the confidence and the discipline that comes with setting goals physically can take you into everything in your life with like a, a tenacity that is really, really important and can take you so far. Um, but one of, one of the other things with confidence, um, and we've talked about social media, so I want to touch on that a little bit, um, is like curate, not curating, but making sure that your social media is diverse enough to represent who you are now. Because I think that, like we talked about with, with body image and with confidence, like, oh, well, I'll just be happy when I get to this weight or when I can do this or when I can reach this goal. But when you can have a social media feed that shows people like being successful and showing up and doing hard things and doing things that um, you want to do like in the body that they're in right now and in the life situation that they're in right now and like doing things necessarily before they feel 100% ready and like taking messy steps, um, that can be so inspiring. And a lot of times, like when I look back at what my social media and my like fitness influencers looked like when I first started versus who I'm looking at every day now, uh, it's, it's night and day. Um, and that's the biggest thing that I talk to girls because I get DMs fairly often about, I just don't know how to be confident in this body or I have cellulite and it makes me like hate myself or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and the first thing that I tell them is to diversify their feed because there are women in my feed who weigh a hundred pounds more than me and can also bench squat and deadlift a hundred pounds more than me. And it's badass as hell. Um, and there are women who like have cellulite and have stretch marks and just had a baby and have the stomach things and <laughs> like that are also doing like crazy hard stuff. And not even worried about that thing, those, those aspects that society tells us are so important. And like, you can't be confident until you have perfect blonde hair and tan skin and no cellulite and no stretch marks and visible abs and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, no, you need to go out there and don't do it exactly like them, but find women that are doing all the things that you want to do already. And they're doing it exactly in the body that they're in. Um, and exactly in the life stage that they're in. And that I think is the first step, even before, even before you set foot in the gym or set foot under a barbell is realizing that like the window at which you're looking at fitness is this wide. And it's actually this, this wide, it's really small. And then it's actually really wide. I realize we're on a podcast. Um, <laughs> I keep doing that. I talk with my hands a lot. So, so do I, it's fine. <laughs> No, I, so two things. So I'll start with the social media. So I love your advice. Cause one thing I always say is like, don't follow people that make you feel worse about yourself. But I love the idea of also within that diversifying your feed, because I know like, so my Instagram that you follow me on used to be like solely fitness, like 
only, and I followed the big name influencers that were just, you know, selling products and taking very posed pictures that were not actually them in the gym. And I don't know if they actually ever went to the gym, like the, you know what I'm talking about, those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I shifted to more like psychology, mental health, personal stuff, like I unfollowed a lot of those people and the people I kept following were people that were like real and relatable and, you know, talked about, you know, cellulite and stress marks and it's normal and, you know, all those kind of things. So I think diversifying and not only within whatever your fitness goals are, but like, if you also really like animals, make sure you're following like animal accounts and things like that. So it's not just, it represents, like you said, who you are right now. Um, And then I also love what you said about like proving that you're capable because I think like you highlighted, sometimes we just need somebody else to point things out to us. I do that all the time in therapy, especially when I have my patients that are like, oh, I don't feel like I've made any progress, blah, blah, blah. So I'll point out like, well, okay, you just did X. And when you first came to me, you weren't doing that. Or, you know, and I think a lot of times, like you said, we have these limiting beliefs, we limit ourselves and we compare ourselves to whether it's our best self, our future self, where we want to be, rather than focusing on how far we have come. So if we're always looking at the, and I'm going to use the 300 pound deadlift, because that seems to be the running um, example. So if, like I said at the beginning, I probably, I don't know if I'll ever be able to deadlift 300 pounds. It's not actually a goal of mine, but if that is my goal, and right now I'm at 100 pounds, I'm like, okay, there's 200 more pounds to go, but I don't think about the fact I started at 50 or whatever it is. We focus on how far we still have to go rather than how far we come. So having somebody point out to us like, well, yeah, but look at all of these things that you've accomplished and you've done. And a lot of times you can't argue with that because it's like very solid evidence. Like, okay, yeah, I guess when I first came to you, I had never stepped foot in a gym and now I've been coming three times a week or whatever, however you train your um, clients. There's there's this, I don't know exactly how to explain it. And this is like not a scientific thing. So just bear with me. There's like this magic around strength training that just makes you really not care about what your body looks like. I think it's partly the feeling capable. I think it's partly the feeling strong, but I know that on weeks where my training is really solid, I'm hitting lifts. I'm doing all these things. Jessica, I do not even think about what my body looks like. And I've seen this be true for clients because we've done, we will have done three months of strength training which isn't three months of strength training is not going to change anyone's body that drastically. It's just not. And they will come to me and be like, Natalie, I wore a bikini at the beach this weekend for the first time and felt good as hell in it. And their body did not change, (laughs) but they feel stronger. They feel more capable and they feel more confident. And I, I'm still working through exactly what to attribute that to. Um, Like I said, I have a few ideas, but, it's like when you shift your focus to different goals, this goal just falls away. And, and then when there are times where I, I sort of fall off the strength training train or, um, you know, 
miss a week, usually for really good reasons, but like I find that I pick at my body more and I, my body check myself more and all of these things. Um, and it's now something that I'm very aware of and have other tools to help negate that. But just anecdotally, there's something magical about it. Well, no, my initial like gut reaction is kind of what you touched on, but just like the mindset shift because your focus is no longer on I need to work out to get skinny. It's I'm achieving these goals of weightlifting, lifting heavier, even just like stepping foot in a gym three times a week when I didn't at all like and just shifting your focus. And I mean, we haven't explicitly said it in this podcast episode, but going back to the whole intersection between physical and mental health, like they're so intertwined both positively and negatively. But a lot of times in the mainstream media of fitness, mindset is not addressed. Like they just tell you, oh, well, you're going to feel happy, but they don't give you tools or tell you how. They just say fitness is going to make you happy, which you have to do the inner work. And I mean, I'm obviously biased because I'm a psychologist, but like (laughs) you have to have that mindset shift and shift your focus and going back to like proving yourself capable. Those are all internal things that yes, you can do through fitness, but if your mindset is not there to focus on those internal things, you're not going to notice them. Um, so that's my like caveat thought on kind of why. What the magic is. <laughs> yeah, so the, the mindset shift and the focusing on um, other things. But I think going back to what you just said about like, you'll have a client that says, I went to the beach in a bikini. And even though their body didn't change, that proves the point that confidence isn't about how you look. nobody saw that but natalie just did a little like (laughs) double gunpoint fingers (laughs) yeah that's how i'm showing that i'm agreeing with you without i know no i like it it. um yeah because it's not i mean yeah you can feel more confident if you are like physically i don't know whatever but it's not the only way to feel confident and oftentimes it's not the way to feel confident if that it has so much more i would say it has so much more to do with um the discipline the commitment to yourself the like we said like accomplishing mental challenges improving to yourself that you're capable and so much less to do with how your body changes yeah because if you're exercising regularly your body will change and when you start lifting weight lifting weight, your body will change. And there's no shame in being excited about that. I love when I get a new muscle that pops through. Um, but like I said this on my Instagram the other day, like even if my body never changed again, even if I was stuck in this body that I'm in today, I would still do it. And if that isn't true for people who are avid exercisers, you might want to reevaluate why you're doing it and how how exactly you're doing it. Um, Cause there's so many different ways to exercise and you need to find one that you would do even if your body never changed again. Yeah, no, I saw that post and I loved it because <laughs> no, I mean, I think, and I know you've talked about your phases and changes, but like there was a time, like, and I always say like exercise is a coping skill for me and it is, but there was a time I literally exercised every single day. Cause I felt like I had to, because I, but I convinced myself, well, this is my coping skill. So I'm going to do it. So I feel good. And now it's kind of like, Hmm, my alarm just went off, but I really don't feel like getting up. So I'm going to sleep. 
<laughs> longer um, instead of exercising because I exercise in the morning. So um, yeah, my website says like training with grace and grit at the top. And I think that there is, and it takes so much self-awareness and it takes so much like doing it wrong, but knowing when to push yourself and when to back off. Um, and a lot of times having a good coach or a good trainer like can help with that. And there are a lot of bad trainers out there. I'm starting to tell all of you. Um, there are a lot of really bad trainers who don't know the back off part. Um, they only know go, go harder, heavier, faster, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's knowing when to call yourself out and push yourself harder and when to back off and say, nope, don't have it this week. We're just going to take an L for the time being because this is a lifelong journey that I'm on and take care of myself, re-energize myself and come back to it next week. Um, that's an, a very delicate dance, I would say. Yeah. Okay. So we've covered a ton, um, but I've loved this conversation. Is there anything I haven't asked you about that you would like to touch on before we wrap up? I, I don't think so. I like that we got to talk about the social media aspect because um, we take in so much information and so much media and even subconsciously those send us messages about ourselves um, that in order to be happy, you need to look like this. In order to be thin, you have to take this supplement. In order to be strong, you have to work out in this gym and in these clothes. Um, and diversifying the information that you take in and taking a moment to say, okay, how is this making me feel? Um, I think is really, really important. And there are a lot of really cool, badass people out there doing this exactly the right way and exactly in their own way. Um, and so let me know if you need more of their accounts because I got them. I know I'm sure Jessica has some too. Um, and I'm just, really glad to be able to have talked to you today. This has been really fun. <laughs> no, it has been. I, I love the conversation. I mean, I love exercise, physical health, the intersection between the two. So I'm glad to have you on and you're the first certified personal trainer I've had on. Um, so you bring in- You're the first podcast I've ever been on. So <laughs> well, you've done great. So it was great. Um, so I know you just mentioned like giving other, pe other people's accounts out, but where can people connect with you if they want to follow you or reach out to you? My Instagram is Natalie Ann Fit with an underscore. So Natalie A-N-N -N underscore fit. Um, I post about lifting techniques. I post about mental health. I post about confidence. Um, I post about, sometimes I post just like little workout circuits. Um, and I post a lot about my life and my cats and the things that I do. Um, so please like, reach out to me if you have questions about anything that happened on this podcast that we talked about. My DMs are totally open. Um, and I also keep up sort of keep up with a blog, um, where I post a lot about a lot of these same kinds of thoughts. Um, I process well in writing, um, and I am a little bit less tangent -y. Um, so you can check me out at natalian.fit as well as my website. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on today, Natalie. This was a great conversation and um, I, I loved it. So I know a lot of people listening are going to love it as well. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited that you took time out of your day today to chat with me. So thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Bye everyone.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Psych Talk. I hope you found so much value. If you loved what you heard or gained some knowledge, I would love for you to take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jessica Lee PhD. Additionally, I would be honored if you leave a review and five-star rating so I can continue to help this podcast grow. If you are not already, follow me on Instagram and join my Facebook community, Grow Through What You Go Through. Thank you for joining me today, and I cannot wait for you to join me during the next episode. Remember, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are braver than you know.